0: We'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for August 9th, 2009. And today we're going to be doing a dedicated study on, well, really on the Bohemian Grove primarily, but we're also going to be talking about things that are related to this subject, like um, the fallen angelic evil deity Lilith. Uh, We're going to be talking about Molech. We're going to be talking about also Minerva and Athena. And because it relates to this subject, there's a little bit of confusion regarding um, that, the, the whole, uh, how the owl itself, the bird, the owl, figures into this whole thing with a Bohemian Grove and a lot of the different people that are members of the Bohemian Grove. And this is going to be kind of a, a very in depth uh, study in the Bohemian Grove, but it's also going to be a Bible study as well. We're going to be looking at some of the verses that relate to these subjects. And just to give you a little bit of an overview uh, on the Bohemian Grove, uh, the, the Bohemian Grove is a 2,700 acre campground located at 20601 Bohemian Avenue in Montreal, California, belonging to a private San Francisco based Men's Art Club, known as the Bohemian Club, in mid-July of each year, the Bohemian Grove hosts. A, uh, I had a hard time getting an exact date. I've heard 16 days, two weeks, three weeks, uh, but it's in that time range. They own. They host this encampment of some of the world's most powerful men. And uh, I'm going to provide all the information, pretty much all the information we're talking about today, on a PDF form, and. uh this particular one even gives the coordinates on a, on a GPS of where it's actually located. And the first picture you'll see on here, or one of the first pictures, is a picture of um, Ronald Reagan, Harvey Hancock, Richard Nixon, and Glenn Seberg at the Bohemian Grove. And they're giving a, uh, this one guy, Harvey Hancock, is, looks like he's giving a, uh, a speech. Ronald Reagan's on his right hand, and Richard Nixon is on his left hand, that's Ronald Reagan, that's Richard Nixon, and uh, a lot of uh, things, there's been a lot of important speeches given here, and a lot of very uh, big, uh, uh, I don't know if you could call it business, but things that would affect the political climate on a global scale have been decided at the Bohemian Grove, and um, even though that's that's what they say it's not for but the bottom line remains is that it, it's happened there and this picture is from 1967 and taken at what they call the owl's nest camp which there's different alcoves and places you can go within this 2700 acre complex so this all-male membership of the bohemian club includes artists musicians prominent business leaders government officials and many former U.S. presidents, senior media executives, uh, the power brokers. Members may invite guests to the grove, although guests are subject to a screening procedure. A guest's first glimpse of the grove is typically during the spring jinx, that's what they call it, in June, preceding the main July encampment. After 40 years of membership, the men earn the, quote, old guard status giving them the reserved seating at the Groves Daily Talks as well as other prerequisites nevertheless up to 2900 members and guests have been reported as attending some of the annual encampments the membership list has included every republican us president since 1923 as well as some democratic presidents many cabinet officials directors ceos of large companies including major financial financial institutions major military contractors Oil companies, banks, uh, inc- and are including the Federal Reserve. Utilities, including nuclear power, and the national media. Broadcast and print have high-ranking officials as the club's uh, members or guests. Okay, the club's motto is, quote, Weaving spiders come not here. Now, I did a little research, and that's taken from Shakespeare's a midsummer night's dream. And again, what they do that the primary thing they do is during the midsummer. So it's appropriate that they would use this as their motto. This motto, weaving spiders come not here, implies that outside concerns and business deals are to be left outside. But that really doesn't happen as you know we've already mentioned. When gather, when gathered in groups, the Bohemians usually adhere to the injunction uh of you know outside businesses to be left outside. Though the discussion of business often occurs between pairs of members, important political and business deals have been developed at the Grove. The Grove is particularly famous for the Manhattan Project planning meeting that took there in September of 1942, which subsequently led to the atomic bomb. So again, that's a pretty major thing that was decided there. Those attending this meeting, apart from Ernest Lawrence and military officials, included this is the Manhattan meeting project, Uh, They included the president of Harvard, the college, representatives of Standard Oil, and General Electric. Grove members take particular pride in this event and often relate the story to new attendees, I guess in order to impress them or whatever. The tradition of the summer encampment was established six years after the Bohemian Club was formed in 1872. Henry Harry Edwards, a founding member, announced... he was relocating to New York to further his career. So on June 29, 1878, somewhat less than 100 Bohemians gathered in the Redwoods in Marion County near Taylorville, uh, which is the present-day Samuel P. Taylor State Park, for an evening send-off in Edward's honor. Freely flowing liquor and some Japanese lanterns put a glow on the festivities, and the club members retired to a late hour, in modest comfort, on blankets laid on a dense mat of redwood needles. This is just an account. I'm just trying to give you an overview of what is this, this Bohemian club. This is where it started in uh, um, 1878. And then this festive gathering was then repeated the next year without Edwards and became the club's annual encampment, and that's how it Started. That's how it started. Way back in in 1878. By 1882, the members of the club camped together at various locations in both Marion and Sonoma County, including the present the present day myrrh Woods um, and a redwood grove that once stood near Duncan Mills, several miles down what they call the Russian Russian River, Russian River. Now that's the overview. Now we're actually going to start getting into um, the expose as far as exposing what's going on there. So, this strange and secretive, secretive group, which have received very little press coverage, have a 40 foot concrete owl as its central symbol. Um, and this is what they actually perform supposedly mock sacrifices in front of. Now, there's a whole video you can watch, and I'll, I'll mention this probably again, that where Alex Jones actually infiltrated the Bohemian Grove and went in there and recorded one of these. And there's a link on this PDF. Um, and also, I, I've got a new, a new website, and uh, praise the Lord for a listener. Um, and he went and put up this website for me, and it's really amazing. We're going to ultimately be able to have all all the teachings up there, all the PDFs that you see up on Sermon Audio, uh, all my newsletters, eventually. It's going to take a little while to get it all up there, but right, right now it's already up and running. And it's called contendingfortruth.com. And let me just double check that, making sure I'm giving you the right website address. You do not have to enter www. It's just ContendingForTruthOneWord.com, and uh, I just praise the Lord for this website. It's gonna It's gonna be the answer to a lot of prayers, and um, He's just doing this out of the goodness of His heart. Uh, very professionally done type of thing. I'm I'm just absolutely overwhelmed with it. And I again, I do thank you for for um, my listeners for your prayers. And for um, all those that have uh, Donated to this ministry And it's, what it's done Too is it's enabled me to pretty much Go into a full time ministry At this point um, With the donations that have come in And these types of things So I, I do uh, from the bottom of my heart Thank you for that And uh, praise the Lord for that So if we go further uh, They're using this 40 foot owl As it's central symbol Okay now, Jesus said on John eighteen twenty, in secret have I done nothing. But see, everything about this particular bohemian club and grove is, is, is secret. And Jesus didn't do anything in secret because he had nothing to hide. So why is there all the secrecy of the world's top leaders? It's because they are of the devil, you know, and their father is of the devil, and of his works they will do. And he likes to sneak around, sneak around in secret and do things in darkness. That's, a, that's the earmark of, of of Satan. So we have other organizations like the Skull and Bones and, and the Freemasons. And they're the devil also. Because again, we get into these secret um, foundations. The Skull and Bones, you know, Bush Jr. and Sr. Were, were members of the Skull and Bones, that secretive club at Yale. It's similarly related with this type of occult ritual ritualistic, uh, secretive groups. The Bizarre Pagan Ritual of the Bohemian Grove, which is called, the cre- one, one of them, is called the Cremation of Care Ceremony. It is practiced by its members, who are all men, and including uh, presidents, both Presidents Bush, so they're, they're members of the Bohemian Grove and the Skull and Bones, so they're, they're trying to cover as many bases as possible. Also, Bill Clinton was a member, Richard Nixon. I think Bill Clinton... Only attended once, though, but, well, that we know of. Uh, Richard Nixon, Jimmy Carver, Colin Powell, Henry Kissinger, to name a few. We're going to get into some more names later. But again, the biggest people, uh, some of the biggest pol- political figures on the planet go and, and attend this. In the ceremony, they worship a 40-foot owl. Okay, now, this, I'm not making this up. You can go up to... to uh, do keyword searches, and you can see a picture of this. I've got several pictures on this Word document. Uh, I'm, the problem is, is the Word document has so many pictures, I'm not going to be able to put it up on Sermon Audio properly. Uh, it's too big. They will not let me do it. I will try to get the full version up on the contendingfortruth.com website. And uh, finally now, if you have someone, you can actually point them to a real website. Whereas before, I just did not have the resources or the, near the time to possibly think about doing a website. And um, uh, praise the Lord, now that's all changed. So, this uh, in this ceremony, this cremation of care ceremony, they worship a giant 40-foot owl and sacrifice a mock human being, supposedly an effigy, meaning it's like a symbolic, but there's been speculation about that as well. This article goes on to say, this is Satanism. David Rockefeller is also a member of this Satanic group. Arnold Schwarzenegger has also attended its meetings. And the Bohemian Grove is believed to be an offshoot of the Nazi-based Skull and Bones uh, Society. Now I'm looking at here an old photo of the Bohemian Grove on the National Geographic website. Uh, this appeared in 1915 on National Geographic um, not their website because they didn't have a website in 1915. I, you know, little little trivia there. Sorry, uh, but the what the what they did is they posted this picture from 1915, and it's called the Power Party. And the caption read: Now it's a guy. It's one of their priests. They they would they'll dress up. Some of them dress up like these high priests. And this guy is laying there. And uh, I guess this is the one of the first ways they symbolize the cremation of care. It's this guy laying on his back, probably one of these power broker guys, and he's got all these candles around and burning. They're out in the middle of the woods, and there's all these other people watching. And the caption reads, to, to purge himself of worldly concerns, a member of the elite Bohemian Club participated in a 1915 cremation of care ceremony, complete with candles and a robed and hooded comrade to guide him. Now, isn't that special? Well, what we're dealing with here are pagan ceremonies. They're druid, Druidic-like ceremonies. And um they're, you know, what you have been able to um, garner from what they've released, the Bohemian Grove, they're, they're pretty semi-open about, you know, some of the garbage that they get into. But they're saying, oh, it's all symbolic, it's all just in good fun, it's, you know, these types of things. So it's difficult for many people uh to accept the truth that several of our nation's top leaders have been members of this occult bohemian club and again they, they still meet i mean this was 1915 and they they use the same symbolic ritual to kick off the summer retreat okay this cremation of care supposedly what they're saying is they're they're burning up care meaning all the cares of this world and all the the burdens these poor power brokers and these globalist elite have that are trying to depopulate the planet, kill us all off, control us, uh, bring us down to a poverty le- level at bare minimum, make us slaves, all ultimately would be their ultimate goal. I mean, just see the Ten Commandments of the New World Order, the Georgia Guidestones, when their first commandments to reduce world population to 500 million, which is, you know, like over a 90% reduction. Uh, all these poor, poor power brokers and in, in uh, you know, trillionaires and billionaires, or whatever they are, they've got to get away and you know blow off some steam, and they've got to cremate, they've got to burn up any care that they have for all of the things that they deal with, because you know they have our best interests at heart, and they and they care about us. <laughs> the only thing they would like care to do is to, they'd care to kill us all if they, if particularly any anybody that would um, want to expose them. So, yeah, this is, um, it's just debauchery, is what it is. It's, it's a big, uh, what it boils down to. It's an all male club that is, uh, you know, the Bible talks about filled with all malignity and debauchery and wantonness and lasciviousness. I mean, these are words that would come to mind. A lot of homosexual activity. And then there's a lot of other things that go on there that I'm not going to get into yet because I want to lay the groundwork. Um, that are way more heinous than than anything you could probably conceive. So, if we go further, each year at the Bohemian Grove, members of this all-male club don red and black and silver robes, some of the members, Um, and then they conduct an open ritual, wherein they worship a giant stone, 40-foot owl, complete with incantations, sacrificing a human being in effigy to what they call the Great Owl of the Bohemia, that's what they call this, the great owl of the, of the Bohemia. We're going to talk a lot about the owl today. Because I want to make sure we do a uh, correct job of pre- presenting this information. Now Romans 1, 22 and 23 comes to mind when we think of this. Where we read, Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And changed the glory of the uncorruptible, uncorruptible God into an image made like unto corruptible man. Into birds... And four-footed beasts and creeping things. And, and again, this is what we have here. They're worshiping a 40-foot owl. And this is the, exactly the first category that Romans uh, 1, 22 and 23 mention. They changed the glory of an uncorruptible God. They should be worshiping God, in other words. But they changed that into a image made like to corruptible man and to birds. I mean, it could be a man. Uh, it could be to birds. It could be to four-footed beasts or creeping things. It's an idol, okay? And the Bible talks about that these idols—they have eyes, but they cannot see; and ears, but they cannot hear; mouths, but they cannot speak. Uh, so there, <laughs> I just can't think of anything more asinine than worshiping an idol. You know, I mean, all you're doing most of the time, if you're doing that, is you're worshiping a fallen angelic entity that is posing as some deity that is deceiving you. That's all you're doing. And, and that entity is more than happy to deceive you and take you straight to hell when this is all said and done. That's what its goal is. So don't kid yourself. That's exactly what its goal is. That's why we're not supposed to go around making things to worship. Including if you're a Christian. Okay? Um, the Bible talks about the godhood is not that of gold or silver or, or you know, these types of things of graven art. So we're not supposed to go around drawing pictures of what we think Jesus looks like or, or, or carvings of what uh, we, uh, we think Jesus looks like or what Mary Magdalene looks like or any of this other garbage. We're not supposed to be doing that and worshiping it as, as well. There's uh, that, that is an abomination to God. So on a related note, which is interesting, you could take a look at at what is hidden on every every U.S. one dollar bill, and that's right, it's an owl. Okay, now to find this, you're going to have to have a really, really, really good magnifying glass, or even probably a microscope would would um, help you. I mean, on on its lowest power, I imagine. And if you look at the right hand part of the one dollar bill on the front where George Washington the highlight ranking Freemason is on there on the um, upper right hand corner of there's a there's a one actually a one and on the left hand corner of the little thing that goes around the one you will actually be able to see an owl Okay. The, the $1 bill is a whole literal cavalcade of um, occult symbology. And, I mean, we could do a whole study on the $1 bill. They they keep finding more stuff on these dollar bills. And we would think, well, why would they go to all this trouble and do all of this? Because Satan loves to be concealed. He loves to to place things in plain sight, but also hidden to only those that are, you know... Of his flock, and and really know what's going on, and and it just they like to do this. They it's one of the things that they, uh, I guess it's one of the ways that they can say that they warned us, and that's a tenet of the Kabbalah, where they believe that they have to warn their enemy prior to their demise of their impending doom. And these types of symbols and symbology, if you study them, are, are, a, are a, you know an, a, an occult type of thing. It's it's really a warning and uh it's there you can see it i've seen it before and um let's go a little bit further here yeah so you can do that at home I, you're going to need a good pretty good powered magnifying glass to get a clear image but it's apparent i mean you can look at it if you if you have any kind of decent up close vision um you'll be able to see it and uh it's plain as day you know so again it's just one of the ways they're just hiding things in plain sight, which they love to do, cultists do. And um, So what does this owl symbolize, actually? The owl has been a symbol of wisdom, but usually associated with occult wisdom. Owls can see in the dark. They can also see what we cannot see. Likewise, members of the Illuminati are privileged to information that is hidden from the general public. The, the owl is a nocturnal bird, Meaning a bird of the night, and it has a, and it has very strong talons. The owl has been associated with wisdom, uh, books, occult knowledge, shamanism, and other spiritual matters. As mentioned, the owl is a bird of the night, so an association with the moon is also suggested. They have a short tail, feathers, and are silent in flight. They're very stealth-like when they when they attack. And I mean, I think they're fascinating animals. You know, I mean, just because the occultists want to want to, uh, you know. Um, associate themselves with them i mean god did ultimately make the owl okay but they the owl is also associated with a lot of evil even in the bibles we're going to see you know i just don't want anybody to go out there and start killing owls you know <laughs> i mean but um anyway let's uh, go further they seem curious about things but are happy to sit and wait until the time is right to obtain their goals to catch or to conquer their prey they're, they're patient now the owl in itself is mentioned as an unclean bird in Leviticus eleven, sixteen and seventeen, Deuteronomy fourteen, verses fifteen and sixteen, and is mentioned in a negative context uh, in connection with God's judgment in Psalm one hundred two six, Isaiah thirty four eleven, thirteen. Fourteen and fifteen. So the owl is always mentioned in the Bible is either an unclean bird or in a negative context. Always, it's 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 really without exception. Um, and that's that's kind of uh, kind of interesting here. I'll read you some of the verses here. Uh, Job thirty twenty nine. Here's some more verses. I am Job talking, and he was speaking here as to the severe judgment he felt that he was under from God. Okay. And in in other words i'm i'm at the lowest 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 rung on the ladder i it can't get any worse for me i mean and you look at what job was going through it doesn't get a whole lot worse than that and he goes on to say i am a brother to dragons and again you always think of um you know satan the dragon and and evil being associated with that. so as a so as a man of god That would be the worst thing that you could be, you know. I am a brother to dragons and a companion to owls. Now, you'll see the word dragons and owls, if you do a keyword search here, they're intermingled. They're very, very, there's, a lot of times they're mentioned together. So, owls, in a biblical sense, is on the level of a dragon, which doesn't really get any lower as far as evil goes, as far as when you mention that, okay. And, um... Isaiah 13.21 But wild beasts of the desert shall lie there. Um, and their houses shall be full of doleful creatures. And owls shall dwell there. Doleful, it means hateful. Okay? So, um, I mean, owls aren't exactly, you know, affectionate and nice. We were at a, uh, remember Taylor, we were at that thing not too long ago and we there was this owl expose and these, these, um, People that were like, you know, into the environment and stuff had these owls and they were displaying them. And, you know, they're not an animal you want to really mess with. They could seriously tear you up. if, if What's that? Yeah, they had these real big gloves on. And, uh, you know, they're, they're, it depends on the breed of the owl, but they can be very, um, particularly if they're in captivity, very unpredictable and, um, they're, you know, you, you think of an owl, they're kind of, they're all business. They're, they're not a, you know, they're not an animal that, um, messes around really. So in Isaiah, um, thirteen twenty one again, but wild beasts of the desert shall lie there and their houses shall be full of doleful creatures and owls shall dwell there and satyrs shall dance there. Now satyrs, um, in that, the, the word it's translated from means either he goat, or like a demon-possessed he-goat. Now, goats, again, you think of the goat of Mendez, which is basically another way of saying Baphomet, which is basically like, you know, an an acronym for Satan. We're actually going to be looking at it a little bit further, because I think the more accurate representation is um, the union of Satan and Lilith. And they produce what they call befomit, which is this androgynous being. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. But, um, is, is always mentioned in, is also an interchangeable term with what they call the goat of Mendez. So, goat is another animal. Well, what are they? They're stubborn. You know, stubborn as a goat? Well, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, the Bible says. So, when you have something that's real stubborn, and you can't, you know, change it. That's not a good attribute before the Lord, particularly. So, um, they're saying in this particular place they're describing, and we're going to be talking about this specific place a little bit later, that owls shall dwell there, satyrs shall dance there, and again, that's either he-goat or like a demon-possessed version of the he-goat. Doleful, hateful creatures. It's always in a very extremely... Judge... I mean, if... it's It's connected with God's judgment. If owls you know, um, and satyrs and owls and things like that. It's always connected with God's judgment. And then we go to Isaiah 34, 13. And thorns shall come up in her palaces and nettles and brambles in the fortresses thereof, and it shall be an habitation of dragons and a court for owls. So again, we got dragons and owls. It's like God's most severest judgment. This is the end result. When everything's been laid waste, and it's a wasteland, and there's nobody else there, what happens? Habitation of dragons, court for owls, satyrs shall dance there, and these are all detestable, um, in a biblical sense, detestable creatures. Um, and then we go to Isaiah forty three twenty, and that says, the beast of the field shall honor me, and the dragons and the owls, again, dragons and the owls, the beasts of the field, uh, because I give waters in the wilderness and the rivers in the desert and give drink to my people, my chosen. Now, praise the Lord. Okay, and again, this is the type of verse that you claim as a born again Christian going into the times that we're, that we're going into. The beasts of the field shall honor me, the dragons and the isles. They're going to honor God. Why? Because I give waters in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, and give drink to my people, my chosen. God, in other words, what is this a type and example of? God always preserves a remnant, where the Bible talks about, "I have preserved to me five thousand that have not bowed the knee to Baal." Okay, but the key is not bowing your knee to Baal. You can't expect to have God's protection, and you're bowing the knee to Baal. So, going in the, into the day and times we're moving into, the ones that I believe will be protected will be the ones that haven't bowed their knee to Baal. And if you're in, you know, if you're in this system that you're doing that, you better get out now. Uh, so, again, that's kind of a neat thing there. Jeremiah fifty thirty nine. Now, this is speaking specifically about Babylon here. There's no doubt about that. Just read Jeremiah 50. Speaking specifically about Babylon, it says, Therefore the wild beasts of the desert and the wild beasts of, of the island shall dwell there, Babylon, and the owls shall dwell therein, and it shall be no more inhabited forever. Neither shall it be uh, dealt with from one generation to another. Now, this is most likely future Babylon because the Babylon that um, they're in reference to as far as the city is actually being rebuilt right now. Okay? And um, there's a lot of proof. You can go up on the internet and research that. And um, regarding uh, Iraq, and they're... I believe Saddam Hussein put a ton of money into starting to rebuild that, and they're going in there, and they're doing excavations, and and they're rebuilding it right now. Um, going further, Micah 1.8, Therefore will I wail and howl, I will go stripped and naked, I will make a wailing like the dragons, and a mourning as the owls. Again, it doesn't really sound like it's a real positive connotation here. Okay? Wailing like the dragons, and a mourning as the owls. Isn't it weird that the, you know the owls are so connected with the dragon and the dragon is is the most you know foul creature most likely mentioned you know in the bible so just some interesting points here to to think about now the demon goddess lilith is represented throughout history as an owl now everybody's saying oh they worship this 40 foot concrete uh, owl that's moloch Well, we're going to take a critical look at that. Because I don't think that's the case. Uh, The demon goddess Lilith is represented throughout history as an owl. A study of the demon goddess Lilith will reveal dark secrets behind the owl of the Bohemian Grove. Few magical orders exist. Now, this is a... uh, Let's see here. Okay. Um... I think this is from a I want to make sure I get this quote right here. Uh, let's see. This is, I believe we're going to be we're going to be quoting from a um, some occult sources here coming up and see what they have to say about this particular about this particular subject here. Uh, let's see here. And this one is, is one of the occult sources. It goes on to say, few magical orders exist dedicated to the undercurrent of Lilith. Now remember, Lilith is always represented, or always connected with the owl. Okay? Few magical orders exist dedicated to the undercurrent of Lilith and dealing in initiations specifically related to the arcana of the first mother. Now that word arcana means esoteric mystic, also many times relates to tarot cards, or tarot tarot cards is, is one of the specific ways you can say them if you're going to be linguistically accurate. Two reputable organizations that progressively use initiations in magic associated with Lilith are the Ordo Antichristanus. that sounds real nice the Ordo or which is the order ordo anti like anti-christian <laughs> okay so that's of there there's two reputable these are reputable now just so you know remember this is from an occult source I'm talking about that um, use initiations of magic associated with Lilith we're going to talk more about Lilith are the Ordo Antichristanus, Illuminati, and the order of Phosphorus. One of my favorite orders, the the order of Phosphorus. They also have the order of Magnesium and the order of Selenium. Oh, sorry, just kidding. Teasing. Um, They have a lot of trace mineral orders, evidently. Uh, So if we go further, Lilith appears as a succubus. um, In Aleister Crowley's De Art Magica. Okay, now, oh, a succubus, what's that? A succubus is a devil that appears to men at night, typically in the form of a beautiful woman. Now, in old times, it was supposedly an ugly woman, but in more current times, the devil, it's a devil that appears to men at night, typically in the form of a beautiful woman, to seduce them in their dreams to have sexual intercourse with them. Okay, now this happens all the time to different men and these types of things, and, um,. Uh, not not to say to everybody, and it shouldn't be happening to you as a, a born-again Christian, and if it is, then you need to really pray before you go to sleep, and um, if there's areas in your life where there's open doors, it's most likely the reason it's happening. Okay? So, and I've, you know, that's the, the, the succubus is what will actually appear to a man. The male counterpart that appears to women are called incubi. Okay, And um, they're the ones that appear many times as men, or sometimes demonic-like figures, and they seduce women. Now, there's actually been men and women that were even married, and this was happening to them. There's actually been divorces caused from these types of things. There's actually been men and women that um, got to the point where they were um, having all of this intercourse with these devils, to the point where um, their whole lives were ruled over by this, and the devil started to actually take control of them, and they actually based all of their life decisions on what the either the incubi or succubi were telling them to do. So it's a kind of a form of demon um, oppression slash possession, depending on the severity. I've heard some real doozy whopper things about these things, so they are real. And um, the succubi draws energy. From the men that they seduce, okay, which is kind of like when you think of the word vampiric, uh, or a psychic vampire, if, if you've ever heard of that term, and that's basically like a, uh, a vampiric entity that will suck your life force out of you, okay, and they and they have particular ways they do this. So there's people that actually say that they're psychic vampires. They can actually go, they get on like buses or go into public places, and they actually have some way of sucking the energy out of you. Now, I don't think they have this access if you're a born-again Christian, unless you have a lot of open doors, but the regular person, they can do it. And um, they're well-known about, and, and if you even go up on vampiric chat rooms, which I've been up on, and I'm not telling you to do that, but and you see what they're talking about, they're particularly looked upon with a lot of disdain. People, even the vampires, supposedly the real ones, are the ones that are more into the other type of blood drinking, they don't like the psychic vampires because, you know, they serve no purpose other than to act as a parasite, is how they're looked at. So, again, that kind of relates to this whole succubi thing, which draws energy from the men they seduce. Now, according to Malleus Malefictrium, or what was known as the witch's hammer. Now, I, I. I pieced a lot of biblical information and confirming occult information together in order to do this study, to try to cross-confirm what we're talking about here. But according to this Malus Malefactrium, which is a a writing also known as the Witch's Hammer, this was written by Heinrich Kramer in 1486. He said, a succubus collects semen from the men that she sleeps with, with the which Incubi then used to impregnate women, thus explaining how demons could apparently sire children, despite their traditional belief that they were incapable of reproduction. Now, we know that they're capable of reproduction, fallen angels, which I believe are totally different than demons. Um... We know that the fallen angels are capable of reproduction according to Genesis 6. The, the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair. They took them wives, all that they chose, and they bore them giants in those days. So the fallen angels did have a capability to reproduce. I don't think demons do, though. Okay, Demons most likely being the disembodied spirits of that fallen, angelic, human um, uh, union okay, the disembodied Nephilim, or the fallen ones that were the, were the offspring of the giants, those spirits had to go somewhere when they were dead. And I believe that's where we get the, the term demons, and there's other writings that, would, um, that you could go into uh, that would prove that. The Book of Enoch talks quite a bit about that. So if we go further... And again, I use the Book of Enoch as a commentary. I don't use it as canon of scripture or anything like that. And the only version that I recommend is the one with all the, K- the King James Version cross-references, which is the hardback blue cover. You can get it up, um, I know, on Amazon. Of course, I don't ever tell anybody to go to Amazon anymore because they they sell books that relate to pedophilia and all kind of horrific, uh, perverted homosexual, sexual thing. So I don't I don't buy anything on Amazon anymore, and I don't advise you as a born-again Christian, do another keyword search and get it someplace else if you're going to try to buy it, if, if you have to get it on the internet. So that's just my little plug for Amazon. <laughs> Reverse plug. But um, that's the only one I, I've done, and if you key in, I think Enoch, in the keyword search box on my homepage, I've done, out of the 300 plus teachings I've done. I've got one teaching, and I think it's the second part of the cloning teaching where I talk about that. Okay, Where I want to address that subject. And um, Well, let's go further. This is um, the, going on with this quote, and it says, children so begotten, meaning children that were sired by this incubus-succubus interaction that we just described, children so begotten were supposed the ones that were born either deformed or more susceptible to supernatural influences. Okay, and today we've got a whole oh, my word, a whole segment of the population card, star children, indigo children, dolphin children, crystal children, whatever you want to call them. I've done a whole study on this, just key either indigo or star on the keyword search box on my homepage on Sermon Audio and, and soon to be contending for truth, uh, dot com. Remember, no www, just contendingfortruth.com. And um, you can, you'll you be able to go up there at some point and, and search the whole site. It'll be, everything will be searchable on Contending for Truth. Every word within the documents will even be searchable, which is kind of neat, and even in my emails or, or the newsletters. Uh, so that is what this high-level occultist says now, the reason I said that is not to bring up something like this, so you know we can. But isn't that amazing? Where it says about the the um, succubus collecting the seed of a man, and then the incubi using them to impregnate women, isn't that weird? Because this incubi and succubi are demonic in form. Isn't that very similar and akin to what is going on right now with all these supposed alien abductions that we hear about? And they've done polls where they found that three to four percent of the population admits to being abducted. And all of these horrific experiments and things that happen, and then many times these women turn up pregnant. These are these are millions of people worldwide that are saying this conservatively. They can't all be nuts. There's gotta be something to this. Isn't that kind of weird that we have all of this going on there? And, and you know, they seem to be the, the ones that get abducted, they seem, to, uh, the aliens seem to have such this fixation on the reproductive systems of the humans. Isn't that an interesting connection here? And yet we have this incubine and succubi thing that's been going on for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. I believe Satan, though, has refined his techniques more. and Now we're coming into the great grand end time delusion. And I, I just believe it's part of that. And the Bible said, Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. And again, the days of Noah, the biggest thing, if you took a news reporter back to the days of Noah, what would be the number one story they're reporting on? Wow, these fallen angels came out of the sky, and they started having you know, intercourse with these women, taking them wives. Of course, I don't, I don't think God would ever recognize that as a marriage. <laughs> in a biblical sense but they took them wise all that they chose and they bore them these giants what was the fruit of that? well the fruit of it according to Genesis 6 was that the world was so wicked and evil in those days that the thoughts of man were only evil continually and God it repented God that he'd even made man God was sorry he'd even made man what, was, what did God have to do? he didn't have a choice he had to destroy the whole world Save eight people, Noah on the ark and his family. Why? Because the seed had been so corrupted at that point. The seed of the humans had been so corrupted that God had no choice but to wipe the whole planet. Save Noah and the eight. He did it in his mercy. He did it so that a savior could come through the human race. If Noah would have been wiped out, then that's it. I mean, there's no more humans. That's it. It said that everything that had breath you know, and their lungs was wiped out. So, God, in His mercy, preserved Noah on the ark, and um, uh, he had. But he killed all of these these nephilim creatures, and their wives, and and the, and the rest of humanity that had been defiled. And Satan is always seeking to defile the seed of man. Okay, he's always seeking to do this. He's been doing it. He's been trying to defile the seed of man ever since the Garden of Eden. Um, when God pronounced judgment on him and on Eve. And we've talked about that verse a lot in times past. I think we're going to mention that again today as well. So let's go further. So, reading from an occult manuscript entitled The Invocation of Lilith. Okay? We read, Lilith is the mythological first wife of Adam. Yeah, right. So again, we see a lot of this in today's day and age. Okay, a lot of this. Lilith is the mytholo- mythological, mythological right, she's a myth, first wife of Adam. According to who? Your own opinion? No, Well, the devil told me. No, if you believe this as a Christian, because there's a lot of supposed Christians that believe this, Understand where the theory came from. It came straight from the pit of hell. It came straight from high level occultists. It came straight as a lie from Satan. Okay, just like all the people out there that believe in the serpent seed that Eve had sex with with Satan. Okay, that's that kind of like the you've got the yin and the yang here. You've got the one meaning of, of the whole. Garden of Eden scenario. Now, again, Satan is trying to get you to always question and doubt the Word of God. If he can get you to doubt it right from its inception, as far as humanity goes, that's the Garden of Eden, right? Well, if Satan can get you to doubt the Word of God and believe that that Lilith was the first wife of Adam, you can pretty much throw the rest of the Bible out. I mean, it's not going to really apply. Okay? Because this is where our problems in regarding mankind started sin entered in okay and the likewise the opposite of that is the whole serpent seed theory which is where they said that supposedly Eve had sex with Satan bearing him Cain and then the serpent seed okay and that's very easily debunkable um and I will do a study on that hopefully in the near future. I'm probably going to include that with the whole um, Messianic Jewish thing because that's part, some of the uh, there's certain factions of the Messianic um, Jews and the replacement theology that believe in the serpent seed theory. Uh, very easily debunkable if you use a King James Bible. Incredibly easy, easily debunkable. But um, there's a lot of people that have really pinned all their hopes on it. People that believe this tend to be tend to think that they're better. Why? Because they're not of Satan's seed. So I'm better. In fact, I'm just grandfathered in. I'm kind of, you know, special and I am not of Satan's seed. I'm going to heaven regardless of how I live my life. You know, regardless of what kind of fruit I bear. Well, huh. I would be very, very, very cautious of any movement like that, because it breeds pride. And pride will blind you, and God hates pride more than any other thing. It blinded Satan when he was Lucifer, and don't think that it's not powerful enough to blind you. So, this occult writing called the Invocation of Lilith says that Lilith is the mythological first wife of Adam. Now, I would view this, um, this is like the counterfeit satanic version of Adam's first wife. Okay, this is the, remember, Satan always counterfeits everything, if he can. Okay, so, instead of Eve being Adam's first wife, this is the counterfeit satanic version of that scenario, which is Lilla. So, she, like Adam, was created by God from the dust of the earth. So, she wasn't created from Adam's rib, Okay, she was created from the dust of the earth. Co-equal. Now that's the kind of woman I want to be, you know, a woman that's right on par with that man. It's the way it should be, right? All you woman's livers out there. Sorry, just sorry. I lost control there. Anyway, um, so, she was created from the dust of the earth in the image of God. He created them, male and female, he created them. Oh, isn't that nice? They throw in some Bible in there, Genesis 127. Occultists love, and Satan loves to mix Bible verses with their little perverted twisted versions of what they believe the Bible means. So again, it was like last week. We're getting a Bible study from Benjamin Krem. You know, Mr. Satan himself, the mouthpiece and the false prophet for devil betraya, Matreya. and we're gonna take his advice what the Bible means to we're gonna we're gonna rely on Benjamin Krem to interpret scripture for us. That's you know <laughs> that's pretty crazy. So, going further, it says, It would seem that Eve came later, fashioned from a rib, taken from Adam while he slept. This is to be called the woman, for this was taken from man. Now, I've also heard it described as is, is, is that woman, meaning a taken from man, a man with a womb. Different version, okay. So, anyway. Uh, Genesis uh, 2.24 is the reference they give for that. Now, The strange anomaly can be explained by assuming that there was a female human before Eve. What strange anomaly? Well, there's no strange anomaly other than what you've read into something that doesn't exist. Okay. Since only Eve is subsequently present in the Garden of Eden, her predecessor must have departed before Eve's arrival on the scene. Predecessor? Where does it say that? God created man and that was it. There wasn't anything before that, as far as a predecessor to Eve. It's a bunch of garbage. No, there's no biblical. But see, if they can get you at the Garden of Eden, if Satan can get you there, he knows the rest of the Bible you're going to question all the way through. It's exactly what he wants to do. So uh, let's go further. So they're saying her predecessor must have departed before Eve's arrival on the scene. Now, this is good that this is brought up because I've never addressed this subject before about this whole Lilith-Adam thing. And, it, and it's good to be able to debunk this for you. Um, then it goes on to say, One can only assume that Lilith's near-total absence from the Judeo-Christian Bible is a matter of prejudice on the part of the male patriarchal author's So it's a matter of prejudice because we have all these mean old male guys. And I don't mean the one that deliver males, like male, the, the uh, gender male. Uh, they were patriarchal. They were male. They were chauvinistic. And so they included, they didn't include poor Lilith in the Bible. They didn't give her her rightful spot. How dare they? You know, what's this world coming to? Uh... Let's go Let's go further, and then I'm going to come back to a point here. Semitic legends, now this is from this invocation of Lilith. Semitic legends describe Lilith as having a base nature, kind of like debased, debased, debauched nature, and a taste for biting Adam and drinking his blood. So evidently Lilith was the first vampire. Isn't that special? She had refused to submit to Adam's authority. And I'm not going to get into that any further, okay? Because you could get into the gory details there, and I'm not going to go there. But supposedly she had submitted, refused to submit to Adam's authority. Now, remember, I've heard Christians tell me the same thing I'm reading you. I've heard Christians, well, they've emailed me. Well, didn't you know that, oh, so evidently you're going by occult writings. I mean, this is from the invocation of Lilith. And they're using it like it's part of the Bible. So understand, if you're believing this, where this comes from and what it breeds in the people that embrace it. Pride. Deception. You know, you're, you're, you're basically yoked up with occultism and paganistic thought. Going back to this, it says, She had refused to submit to Adam's authority. And in a fit of rage, she uttered the ineffable name of God. These are This is a word we're not supposed to pronounce. See, that's what we get a lot into in the whole Messianic Jew thing, and the whole um, well, Judea, modern day Judaism, and these types of things that I've done several teachings on. And we're going to go back to that. And we're going to do a separate study, Lord willing, if I have time, on this whole ineffable name of God thing. And um, But see, in a fit of rage, she uttered the ineffable name of God. And then she flew up into the air. No, she flew like an owl. Only to be cast down by God in the desert wastes where she took up residence. Huh, isn't that where God just said in the the Bible that the owl dwelled in the waste places and in the desert after these cities had been judged by God? Yeah, we're going to even look at that further. Isn't that kind of funny? But they admit it here. They admitted here she was cast down by God in the desert waste where she took up residence. Now, Lilith being, I believe, to be a fallen angel, that did happen, but it didn't happen because she was Adam's wife. That's their twisted interpretation of it. Okay, The only mention of Lilith by name in the standard Christian Bible is in Isaiah. It's kind of funny, this invocation of Lilith seems to be very obsessed with what the Bible's saying. It's kind of like last week when we were talking about Benjamin Krem and Maitreya, how they're so obsessed with making sure they key on Christianity as being the one thing that they want to set us straight about and and let us know what the Bible really says. They're not trying to correct the Quran or or Buddhist writings or Hindu writings or these other things. They're obsessed with one thing, the word of God, every time. It's not a coincidence. (laughs) It's It's the only threat to them. They have everything else. So, there's only one mention of Lilith by name in the Standard Christian Living Bible. It's in Isaiah, where a passing reference is made to a, quote, screech owl which is true, and we're going to look at that in a second, Um, or what they believe to be an anthropomorphic combination thereof, um, who murders infants. It would appear from the perspective of modern medicine that infants who succumb to sudden infant death syndrome would have thought to have been victims of Lilith, who torments men at night, who typically sleep alone. The original succubus. Now, that's a proven fact that this happens. Lilith is also a goddess of child sacrifice. Lilith, if you study um, these people that have these abortion clinics, these witches and warlocks that tend to own them, and I've done several teachings on this, the occult roots of abortion, key that in in the search box on my homepage, um, on Sermon Audio, currently, or Contending for Truth, probably a little bit later, the occult roots of abortion, done a teaching on that, and if you do that, what you're going to find is um, that these witches and warlocks gravitate to actually be owners of abortion clinics. And typically the deities they serve are the ones like Lilith or Artemis the one, or um, Moloch. The ones that have to do with child sacrifice. They view their little abortion mills as little death factories in, in sacrificing these little innocent babies in the womb to their respective devil deities. Lilith being one of the main ones. So understand, if you go to an abortion clinic and you're praying, you're praying against some type of prince, principality, ruler of wickedness in high places which is what the Bible says our battle is in Ephesians 6, you're praying against these wicked, evil, fallen angelic, and or demonic deities. So Lilith is always associated with abortion clinics. The goddess of child sacrifice. Isn't it funny? She's the one that comes to have intercourse as in a succubi type of form or some demonic you know, uh, counterpart to her and yet they seek to also they're, they're seeking to um, destroy the little innocent babies so it's just, it's, there's a lot of parallels there, so ending this it says, in the modern mythology Lilith has become a symbol to many feminists of the independent woman who refused to submit to the control of men so again, she's rebellious Lilith is the quintessential essence of evil, rebellion, child sacrifice, perverted sexual intercourse. I mean, just about as nasty of of an entity as you could possibly ever deal with. Okay, so going back to this, it says, while this is certainly an aspect of her personality, there is a strong sexual component to Lilith's nature that must also be recognized. Again, confirming what I just said, she is more than just an uppity woman. (laughs) She is the power of primal lust in female form. And also, she is death. And this cannot be ignored when working with her magically. Now, this is a manual on witchcraft. Okay? This invocation of Lilith. And they're telling you right now, they're telling you as a witch or warlock, I'm not saying you are, but who they're dealing with they are, that if you work with Lilith magically... From a witchcraft standpoint. You better be careful. Why? Because she is always associated with death. She's got a lot of hats. But one of her main hats is death. Goddess a child sacrifice. You know? And you better not ignore that if you work with her. Now, hopefully you're not working with her. But um, there, this is... Um, Lilith is then... Basically what Lilith is described as is a winged serpent or a screech owl who murders infants. Screech owl. Now, let's look at that a lot closer. Now again, when, uh, one other point. She's associated with death. Again, that is why she's so um, always intricately tied in with these abortion clinics. The death of the innocent babies. Lilla, these are entities that you should be praying specifically against. If you want your prayers to be more specific, these are some hints for you. Artemis, Lilith, Moloch are three of the entities that if you go to an abortion center, you can literally pray against specifically. And I just think it always helps if our prayers are more specific. Uh, I'm not saying God can't intervene if if you don't know these names, but hey, it sure can't hurt if you you know specifically what you're dealing with and you know specifically your enemy. Now, let's look at this a little bit further. Um, I'm going to go back to Isaiah 34, which we quoted some from there earlier. And Isaiah 34 says, The sword of the Lord is filled with blood. What a verse that is. The sword of the Lord. I just like how that sounds. The sword of the Lord is filled with blood. It is made with fatness and with the blood of lambs and goats and the fat of the kidneys of rams. For the Lord hath made a sacrifice in Bozrah and a great slaughter in the land of Edumia. Now, this is the pretext, this is the laying the groundwork for where we talk about the owls. Okay, This is God's judgment. The owls come later, because the owls and the dragons and the satyrs come to these uninhabited cities after the Lord's great slaughter in the Bible. That's what I learned by studying owls, because I did all these keyword searches as I was preparing the study. In this particular instance, we're not talking about Babylon, though. We're talking about a sacrifice in Bozrah and a great slaughter in the land of Edomia. Where is, what is Bozrah? Bozrah is a town in Edom. The land of Edomia is Edom. Okay, Not Eden, but Edom. E-D-O-M. If we do a keyword search for um, uh, Edomia, as I did, Um, or or even Edom, okay, we come up with. In uh, this is from Strong's. We come up with Edom meaning red. That's what the actual word means. The Edomites, which were the ones that were being judged, this whole land. The reason it was being judged is because not because it was just a landmass, but because of the inhabitants thereof. Edom are the the descendants of Esau. Okay, so we've got um, Jacob's brother, Esau, and the Bible says that Jacob, uh, they said this in uh, Romans 9.13, this being from God, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. Okay, so the Bible is very clear, the Lord hated Esau. Okay, he despised his own birthright for a bowl of pottage. He traded his birthright for a bowl of lentils, essentially. Okay, and God doesn't respect that <laughs> too much. Okay, But it says, Jacob have I loved, and Esau have I hated. Esau was a red, hairy man. Um, Jacob was a smooth man. So, a little trivia there, but it's true. And anyway, so, and he didn't hate Esau because he was a red, hairy man, but because of what he did, because of his actions. But the word Edom... Um, is also uh, means Edomite Adumian descendants of Esau the land of Edom Aduma Adumia which is the land south and southeast of Palestine okay so when it says here where there's a great slaughter in the land of Adumia and a sacrifice in Bozrah Bozrah was a town in Edom and also the great slaughter in the land of Edumia was Edom okay where the, where where Esau's descendants uh, live now that was the Isaiah 34, 6, where it talks about the sword of the Lord is filled with blood and the sacrifice of Bozrah in the land of Edom, Dumiah. Then we go uh, some verses later where we're, we're getting to the end of this judgment or the end product of this judgment. And we read, the thorn shall come up in her palaces. Now, her palaces, this is in regard most likely to Bozrah, which is this town in Edom. Nettles and brambles and fortresses thereof, and it shall be an habitation of dragons and a court for owls. Again, we see this parallel, dragons and owls. The severest of God's judgment seems to end as it be an habitation for dragons and owls and satyrs. And then the next verse, the wild beasts of the desert shall also meet with the wild beasts of the island. And the satyr, which is like most likely this demon-possessed version of a he-goat, shall cry to his fellow. And the screech-owl, shall also rest there, and find for herself a place of rest, the screech owl. There shall and then this is uh next verse, Isaiah thirty four, fifteen, there shall be the great owl make her nest. There shall the great owl make her nest, and lay and hatch, and gather under her shadow. There shall also vultures be gathered, every one of her mate. Vulture now an owl is listed in the Bible as an unclean bird, not a bird that you want to go around eating. It's like a scavenger type of thing. Also, vultures are listed, which are also unclean birds. So we've got the owls in connection with dragons, satyrs, vultures. But notice here, there's, remember what we, what this occult source said, that there's this, um, uh, this reference in the Christian Bible where a passing reference is made about her living Lilith, literally living in the desert. This is the reference. It's only one time in the Bible where Lilith is mentioned. The root word for screech owl, the root word that they derived the word screech owl from, is literally Lilith. In this one verse in the Bible, it only occurs one place in the Bible. In Isaiah thirty-four fourteen. Let me read it for you again. The wild beasts of the desert shall also meet with the wild beasts of the island, and the satyr shall cry to his fellow, and the screech owl shall also rest there and find a place of her rest. Now this word screech owl literally is derived, unlike the other references for owl, this one is literally derived from lilith, the word lilith. This is from Strong's H3917. The root or the etymology of that word for Lilith, is either night or gloom. Okay, but Lilith, and this is even out of Strong's, is the name of a female goddess known as a night demon who haunts the desolate places of Edom. Okay, so I just thought that was interesting. Where we where we literally have Lilith is mentioned. You have to go in this particular case. You would need to go and, and do a, a, a search on the source of the word. But it's translated screech-out, and it's only occurs one time in the Bible. Interesting. And obviously it's mentioned in the most negative connotation that you could have. Um, going further, a 2,000... Oh, actually, I tell you what. Let's go ahead and let's end part 1 there, and we'll go to part 2 next. That's a good place to end. God bless you.